this graveyard that we are digging in with shovels yes i don't know why we took this job as night shift grave diggers you'd think this would have been done earlier before the funeral service <laughs> yeah well you just can't get a timely funeral these days with all the COVID restrictions thankfully we could still record our podcast while we dig these graves god this is backbreaking labor who um, do you think is funding all this? Thunk. Thunk, thunk. Uh-oh. Oh. I, I seem to have dug too, too deep, Denny. Oh, no. Just like in therapy. <laughs> I have smashed this graveyard. Oh, shit. We're going to get fired. At least we didn't release any brains. 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 And scene. That was a graveyard smash. I know you thought we were really digging. <laughs> digging for ideas. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the Movies for Win podcast. Last week, we had a monster mash this week. It's Movies for Win. It was a graveyard smash, baby. It's zombie movies. Zombies! Ooh, spooky! Ooh. Uh, these ghouls, <laughs> as they call them sometimes. And the dead don't die. It was a solid Adam Driver. That's right. Ah, oh, man. So this was a pretty easy pick, right? Layup. We have monsters and then we have zombies. Two of the biggest genres of horror films... Uh, over the last several decades. Boy, were they. Have they been. Have been, have they Boy, been. are they. Still, to this day. Uh, Denny, what are our movies this week? We have got a smorgasbord of classics for you right here, ladies and gentlemen. We have our audience pick, Night of the Living Dead, starting us off. Then we're going to jump into Return of the Living Dead. Just when you thought the night was over, they return. And finally, for something light and digestible, we're going to bring it home with Shaun of the Dead. Every millennial's favorite zombie movie. Except Shaun for me. of the Living Dead. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is the weirdest trilogy. It's very incohesive. Um, Yet similar premises. And titles. Uh, thank you for the suggestion and the votes, everybody. Night of the Living Dead won our audience poll. We appreciate everyone voting. I was really uh, surprised it won. Yeah, me too. I thought, you know, I think people want to hear us talk about the classics. Sure, apparently so. Yeah, this is one of the classics. I think the other, uh, the other choices were a little more 
you know, a little less mainstream, I should say, for zombie movies. I was still expecting something a little more modern. Yeah, same here, but I'm, I'm really glad it won because it's kind of the, the patient zero of the American zombie craze, you know? Um, it kind of it kind of needs to be talked about, and I was already a big fan of the movie. I thought it was more like uh, me liking old horror movies and just old movies in general. That's kind of why I put it up there, and I didn't think anyone would get excited about it except me. So I'm pretty excited. I'm I'm ready to do it. Hell yeah, man! Hell uh. yeah! Doom, 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 doom. That's like a G6. Every time I say hell yeah, I hear it in my head. Um. <laughs> very good then oh uh, man let's summarize the audience's pick uh night of the living dead we're going to be going in chronological order so we're starting here yes um night of the living dead is george a romero's masterpiece that he accidentally put into the public domain and didn't make any money off of because he forgot to do some paperwork or something like that um, that's why it's available on so many streaming services um, Night of the Living Dead is a movie about uh, our dear friend Barbara and our dear friend Ben. Barbara is paying a visit to her presumably deceased father's grave with her brother. Uh, all of a sudden, there's a spooky boy, a little ghoul, running around in the graveyard, and he just starts biting motherfuckers like crazy. <laughs> um, Barbara runs away. Uh, she runs to a house. And then Ben shows up, and he is just all business, smart protagonist, knows what to do, and Barbara is fucking useless. Um, he does what he can to tolerate her. They meet some people in the cellar, uh, and then they fight the zombies, and then there's a ending that comments on police brutality and racial injustice. So, what else could you want? Maybe some color? I don't know. Yeah. It was the 60s. It was low budget. It was it, pretty cool, too. You wouldn't guess it was low budget. Um, I watched it on HBO Max, and it was a uh, 2K remaster, so it actually Ooh. looked really, really solid. I watched it on Stars, and it looked kind of shitty, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think the black and white really added to it, honestly. Um yeah what's uh what's your relationship with this movie greg was this a first time watch are you familiar with it first time watch but i was familiar with it i was familiar with uh some of the story beats um i feel like i'd seen a lot of clips of this before but this is my first time watching it all the way through uh a very quick 90 minutes it was pretty enjoyable yeah and yeah like you said it just just a classic yeah this was a. Uh one of the first horror movies i ever saw growing up i i was really into just the title alone it sounded really cool to me um and my dad would let me rent it because it was something he'd seen and something that he liked and deemed appropriate i guess um and honestly what i mostly remember about it as a kid was i thought it was so funny that you see one of the zombies butts I was like, they're just walking around with their butt out. What's funnier than a zombie butt? Um, and uh, I've, I've watched this movie several times in my adult life. I love it every single time. I'm I'm just, uh, I'm a big fan, man. I'm a fan of pretty much everything I've seen from Romero. He's great. Hell yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I wish I'd watched this before. Uh, it, it was an extremely fun time. Yeah. Uh, 
I was going to say, like, this movie had a lot more... You know, we talked about the use of music in horror, as I Ooh. guess we'll just dive into some details. Yeah. This one had a very... Um, standout orchestra performance yeah. that, you know, usually I'd say horror movies do better with silence, but I think this one, uh, the use of strings, this is kind of where horror movies were, get, will get their inspiration from, at least musically. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of high strings, a lot of um, dissonance and everything. It's, ah, oh, it sounds great. Yeah, well, and you also, like, in addition to those big, scary moment orchestral pieces, you get a lot of the, like, you know, kind of, like, eerie, synthy, theremin-sounding stuff as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the score in this movie. Uh, I really think it set the tone and also set it apart as something unique, especially in its time. Like, this is this is a trendsetter. And, and to the extent that uh, it's actually where the term zombie being applied to a reanimated corpse comes from. Um, mm -hmm. Despite, they don't actually say it in the movie. They just say, they call them ghouls. Um, yeah. Before this movie, a zombie was someone, just someone who was brainwashed. Someone whose mind was controlled by somebody else. Uh, and just for whatever reason, the American zeitgeist was like, they're called zombies now when they were talking about Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty cool. That's how that's how formative this is in the sense that we wouldn't even be calling it the zombie genre without Night of the Living Dead, which is feather in the cap, wouldn't you say? I'd say that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't say the Zed word. Uh, yeah, last last note on the music. Uh, there was a, a subtitle. You know, sometimes sometimes the subtitles will tell you the music that's playing. This one just said cacophony at one point, and that was accurate. Yep. <laughs> uh, um, I think one of my favorite moments of. I guess horror in the movie was the first zombie reveal. Mm -hmm. Like we just, like you mentioned already with your uh, summary, there's just a guy walking around a graveyard, yep. and it's like two or three minutes into the film. <clears throat> we're just driving around. We're talking about the wreath, talking about the radio, um, really unsuspecting a uh, couple of people, and there's just a guy off in the distance just walking mm -hmm. and they're kind of messing with him messing with each other and be well you know what movie you're watching so the way he's walking around with like this really long zoom like you can tell he's far away is super haunting mm -hmm. i thought that was legit yeah i mean <laughs> not <laughs> the word foreboding comes to mind in that scene um, yeah, exactly. It, that mixed with the soundtrack, mixed with like Barbara being scared and her brother teasing her, and her brother has this kind of like death of innocence vibe going on. He seems like he's keeping secrets. And man, one of my favorite things ever. Just what's the movie called? Night of the Living Dead. First scene, bam, Living Dead. We're not going to wait around for it. You the know you're going to see it. It really does. <laughs> it really does. Like, uh, but they just get right down to it. And they also do a really good job of establishing what these things' capabilities are. Vanessa was like, uh, when he smashed the window, she was like, oh, they're like planful zombies. Like, they can kind of think yeah. through what they're doing. Um, 
they just got so much out of one zombie in the beginning. Like they got mm-hmm. so much mileage out of that one character. It was really great. Yeah, that's something I mentioned too. Uh, a lot of different zombie movies, you get a lot of different types of zombies. Mm-hmm. And this is one where, you know, the majority of the time you're just getting like the brain dead, like I've detected the human and I'm just going to go after them. If there's a window in the way or a door in the way, I'm just going to claw away at that. Yeah. And the zombies in this movie look around for weapons. They're smashing the headlights on the truck. Like, they're kind of looking around to sabotage and, like, plan. Mm-hmm. And although they're slow moving, the fact that they're thinking, you know, stuff like that through and connecting dots is a little a little intimidating no absolutely and they you know they they just did such a good job of establishing the rules what do they want they want to eat your flesh um when do they want it now now and then like uh the character ben says uh they have no strength like look i pushed him out the doors and the guy's like well they tipped over my car and he's like yeah any you get five or six of them together they could probably do that but one-on-one will kick their ass see they just they did such a good job of really thinking through what the laws of this zombie outbreak are it's just it's smart filmmaking man it's smart writing it's it's just all very smart i'm a big fan yeah uh we mentioned barb (laughs) how about her boy howdy um man she made my wife cheer for domestic abuse I always felt I, I wasn't there even. It. I wasn't going to share this story on the air, um, but we watched this when I was in film school at UNT, um, and she is being so annoying when Ben finally hits her back after she hit him se- several times. That like literally the whole class cheered when that happened, um, and I was like, <laughs> kind of funny. But I don't know that I want to make it a public take because I, I never want to affirm any sort of domestic violence or, or downplay it or call it funny. Um, but she was being really annoying and it wasn't real. And when my <laughs> when my wife cheered for it, I was like, OK, that really does kind of drive it home that <laughs> that was that was something that viewers were begging for. Um, and they really made it like. Ben, the character, is so smart, and he is so gentle, and he is so kind, and he is so understanding, and Barbara is just getting hysterical about it, Um, you know, like, and she hits him first, and then she hits him again, and finally he strikes her back, so it's not like, it's not like he was just like, bitch, shut up, like, it's like, at Mm -hmm. a certain point, it was self-defense, and it was a life-or-death situation, um, Vanessa did look up some trivia, and let me look up the actor's name actually really quick because the guy who played Ben is just yeah. so so good. Um, I want I want to say his name, Dwayne Jones. Um, Dwayne Jones uh, objected to that scene because you got to remember that like this is the like civil rights movement era. You know, like this is this mm-hmm. is nineteen sixty eight. Uh, tensions are high, um, and. It was a bunch of, like, uh, white filmmakers that were like, no, dude, race doesn't matter. It's a new world, man. And he was like, I've got a feeling it's going to matter if a black man hits a white woman on screen. And, like, nobody listened to him. And George matters to me. Yeah, exactly. And George Romero was like, yeah, I really wish 
if I could go back, I would have listened to him because we were just like white splaining the whole issue to him essentially. And he was like, mm-hmm. I don't think you guys get it. Like this race, race unfortunately does matter, especially if you are in the oppressed race. <laughs> like you gotta, you gotta protect your neck in those senses. That's right. What did uh, you think about Barbara, Greg? Uh, my note here says poor Barb can simply not calm down. <laughs> um, it's like, I feel bad for her. But also at a certain point, you just gotta snap out of it. You gotta accept what's going on. Yeah, it's there's definitely like the empathy of this woman is clearly traumatized. You know, like it's it's really really obvious. You don't like, but you don't blame her for being hysterical. I probably would be, um, but at a certain point, you gotta get a grip, right? And she's putting mm-hmm. herself and everybody else in danger and also being very demanding and controlling while contributing nothing (laughs) like you you don't get to do that i just wanted the line of people like an airplane that was just telling her (laughs) to snap out of it smacking her and then the next person yeah could have done her some good oh man and then some of the zombies come along and like smack her with a dude (laughs) with a limb you know and I, i don't think we were really supposed to like her um I think we were supposed to it's just basically like even with your empathy you're also like if I were in this situation I would not want her on my team or for her to be my responsibility and there's even a moment where like she's just describing everything she's been to while Ben is trying to uh, get shit done and you can see him like it looks like he's contemplating if it would be worse to go face the zombies than stay in this house yeah. with her, <laughs> like, or maybe it's... feeding her <laughs> to the zombie. Like, there's a moment How could where I use her. <laughs> it seems like he really weighs his options of like, oh my god, should I just sacrifice myself and die because this is horrible? <laughs> She's just talking. He's like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> wow, really. There's another airplane airplane reference in there. Staring a hole in the wall. Yeah. While she's telling the story, you could imagine them cutting away and him coming back, like, <laughs> having hung himself or something. <laughs> Trying to jump out of the airplane, yeah. Oh, dude. Feeding himself to zombies. Uh, man, I forgot how important the radio was back in the day. Boy, was it. That was... <laughs> There's a radio and you put us in the cellar. <laughs> yeah. That kind of that kind of wow, dated great. the movie and uh really made me grateful for like the internet. <laughs> well, I already it, am. I love the internet. It dated the movie, but then they brought down a television set. I was like, "Okay, they're not that far." Yeah, what's that about? <laughs> Gone. You have something better. Why is everyone huddled around a radio? Well, it's all they had. It it was a transitional period. I suppose. Where the radio is still a valid form of news gathering. I mean, this is why I always say, if something like this ever happens, I'll just die. Like, <laughs> if if the internet and the air conditioning are gone, I'm not going to fight. <laughs> I'll just... I, I don't want to live through it. I don't want to suffer. It's not worth it. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just get eaten by zombies. It's whatevs at a certain point um what about you would you fight would you try to stay i'm not joking i'm like apocalyptic event i'm not getting in a bunker with people that are probably horrible and crazy 
I'll just well, die <laughs> if it gets that it, bad. It's tough because you're like, that instinct kicks in and you want to survive. But then it's like two weeks, you got to come to grips with like, it's not getting any better. Yeah. But by then, you are already got all these obligations to all these people that you got to live. <sighs> you got to support the movement Social or whatever. Brains. Exactly. And then, yeah, like I made it this far, like maybe a couple more weeks, then I'll kill myself. I don't know. Yeah. I think I would just let it happen. I wouldn't kill myself, but I'd be like, all right, I'm going to try to live my life as comfortably as possible. And if the zombies get me, they get me. Well, if there's no air conditioning, it's impossible to be comfortable. You're right. I'd be, uh, I'd be getting in my car and driving to the nearest uh, air conditioned building. <laughs> Do you guys still have power? <laughs> oh, good. Oh, <Good> <laughs> uh, man. Uh, what else you got, Denny? I've got a lot, man. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Cinematography yeah, yeah. wise. Dude, the, the use of shadows when we get into the house was just, like, so freaking great. Like, it, it reminded me of uh, Frankenstein that we were watching last week. Like, it just mm -hmm. was such a great use of light. And just, uh, it's just, everything was so awesome. <laughs> they were so good at making a movie. Yeah. When the, uh, when the lights finally shut off, you really get the feeling like, oh, shit, the whole house is dark. Yeah. Like, that was a really... A genuinely, like, uh, terrifying moment of mm -hmm. just, like, what are they going to do now? Yeah. And how about that uh, that jump scare on the corpse? The, the mangled corpse? Up, Moving up, his eyes around? Up at the top of the stairs, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, when yeah. When you first yep. discover it. That was yep. pretty dope. Pretty, pretty gruesome. Pretty spooky. Pretty spooky. Um, no, so, like, what sticks with me most every time I watch a George Romero movie is how good he is at writing a protagonist. Man, the character Ben is so heroic. Like, he is just, like, a badass, no-nonsense, good-choice-making motherfucker. Um, you just can't help but root for him. Like, he's just... Uh, I love likable good guys. You know, like, it's like in the anti-hero age, it's so much easier to to write a villain than a hero that really compels mm -hmm. people and this is a good guy wearing a white hat trying to do the right thing uh, you know like it's it's really cool how how relatable that is and how admirable it is and i'm just i'm crazy about romero's protagonist writing if you watch the rest of his uh daytime of the dead trilogy i think you'll you'll see it pretty consistently he writes amazing protagonist yeah i'm i'm looking forward to watching more especially after this one mm -hmm. um yeah ben's character is as you know he's as human as he can be while still being super heroic yeah. he's impatient with barbara although i would have snapped way sooner yeah i'll um, actually say he was very patient with barbara and it wasn't until she started physically assaulting him that he started becoming impatient <laughs> he was extremely that, patient with her yeah, and even after that, he still feels like responsibility for her. She's yeah. like passed out. He's like, "I'm gonna go do this. Don't mess with the girl." Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. But he he was pretty argumentative with the Seller uh, family mm -hmm. starting out. Like their their whole intro felt a little um, like this doesn't need to be this much conflict. But I get it. Yeah. But it's still pretty strong. You guys are it's like two men that are coming off pretty strong i thought ben would have been the bigger man and like um 
had a little leeway with uh, Bald Dad. I can't remember. I, I want to say Cooper. I'm pretty sure it's Cooper. Yeah, Mr. Cooper. Yeah. All right, first of all, this kid calling him Mr. Cooper, right? What is his deal? Because he's still tucking his t-shirt into his pants. <laughs> it's the zombie apocalypse. He's still calling him Mr. Cooper. Like, this kid... I thought Barb was high strung. This this guy's weird. That was an anxious guy, without a doubt. Um in an anxiety provoking situation. <laughs> um Yeah, man. The people coming out of the cellar at that point in the movie was a little bit what the fuckish. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, what are they doing there? Um I, I did dig the conflict between Ben and Cooper and I, I thought Ben handled it well. Vanessa actually we paused the movie and asked each other what we would do. Are we cellar or house people? Um, and we both kind of agreed. We were like, well, try to hold up in the house. And if you absolutely have to, the seller's still there. And then that's literally what that's, they decided as soon as we started. So for that's evidence, where I landed too. Yeah. I kind of had that same thought. It's just like, well, we could use that as a last resort. Yeah. Custer's last stand sort of location. Yeah. Yep. 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 It wasn't for the little girl down there. Yep. Um, kind of screws up your whole plans. Boy, does it. God, I said boy does it a lot today and in my life. I did Boy w- did you. While we're on this subject though, I wanted to ask what is the name of the trope for secret belligerent Wallace Shawn in the basement? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> we must remain in the cellar. That dude um, looked a lot like Wallace Shawn. <laughs> There's got to be a name for it. I mean, <laughs> it's originated on this podcast, though. Yeah. That's the thing. Just like the, if you know the name, uh, tweet it under the hashtag Infinite Biff Theory. <laughs> We're still going. Sorry, Greg's We're dog is going. barking, and I promise it's irritating him much more than it's irritating anyone who's listening. Uh, we, we just, we just, he's our, he's our third guest on the show. That's all right. Anton he gets the dog. grumpy when he hears sounds. Boy, does he. God, what, what, is, what am I doing? This there is you compulsive. Go again. I'm addicted to saying, boy, do I. <laughs> boy, aren't you? Boy, am I. Um, um, <laughs> I'm just, oh, man. Feels like we're rind- winding down on our thoughts on the story. Do you have anything else? Um, I thought it dragged a little bit around the midpoint. Uh, it just, w- w- again, once we meet the seller people, it starts to be like, oh, you guys were really good at making movies, but it kind of seems like you didn't have enough content to uh, yeah. to fill your fill your runtime. So you kind of wrote this in. Was the vibe I got? I have no idea if that's true. It just seemed like uh, let's introduce something else to stretch it out a little bit. Uh, yeah. One thing I noticed was I thought it was a really creative way to deliver exposition was to have the radio on while mm-hmm. people are like boarding up the house. So mm-hmm. you've got like a motivate motivated action mm-hmm. taking place while a voice with a reason with a reasonable source is telling you what's going on and i thought that was a really cool and interesting way to deliver this and then they find the tv and then there's like a several minute sequence where we're just watching the tv mm-hmm. no yeah and pretty soon after <laughs> i didn't think about how how motivated that was though i just kind of saw it as exposition and it was definitely stuff we wanted to know so you kind of like you can get away with a little more exposition when the audience cares about it um but no that was a smart way to 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 work around that they were having story time pass while we heard it it was certainly a hell of a lot better than 
having one of the seller people be like, didn't you hear? It was on the radio. They're telling everyone to stay inside. You know, like it, it was a mm-hmm. way better way of doing it. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, for, for as much as I've talked about what a great protagonist Ben is, when they set the truck on fire, that was a stupid, laughable comedy of errors and just boneheaded choices. It's like every video you've seen of somebody trying to pour at a uh, plastic canister of gasoline onto a lit fire. Yeah. And then they run around with a gas canister. <laughs> I just, every time I watch it, I can't believe how he just sets the torch down literally right next to where they're about to pump gasoline. Uh, they parked so far from the pump. Yeah. That was definitely a moment of losing faith in the heroes of like, you just fuck that up so egregiously and for no real justifiable reason that you're losing my investment just a little bit in you. Like it was yeah. it was really like funny, like laugh out loud funny how much they fucked that up. Like it needed some Benny Hill playing in the background. It was so like Benny Hill music. Benny Hill music that gets cut off when two people just explode for due to negligence and it was their last hope too like, yeah um it was their last well, hope. shit back to the house um i i thought it did, sorry go ahead yeah it, it doesn't help that ben can't land a headshot God, yeah bad aim for sure like they figure out i feel like they figure out that oh shooting him in the head is what does it like there's that sequence where he's shooting through the window yeah shoots him in the chest twice and then gets him in the head and that's what kills him you think a light bulb goes off but he just keeps shooting people in the chest it's yep Uh, another thing that annoyed me is when he's shooting the gun in the basement and it sounds like an f and bb gun like they like (laughs) an indoor shotgun shot or a rifle shot an Mm -hmm. indoor rifle shot in a closed space and they didn't even fully in a gunshot like it was unbelievable ben should be deaf yeah like it was crazy um you know we've uh we've talked before about uh we're we're two white guys making a podcast and we usually don't really like to speak as white men on like racial or uh gender related issues not because they're not worth addressing but because we really think it's more appropriate for us to listen than to talk about it um, ourselves. Uh, we will let people who are actually affected by those issues uh, tell us their takes. Um, mm-hmm. But all that goes to say, I think we kind of can't not talk about, uh, you know, the the, the ending here. Uh, there's there's even though they they didn't write the character with race in mind, it was just the right casting. Um, the ending. You know, like, how can you... The, the the black man who saved a bunch of white people and was killed by a state-sanctioned uh, militia for doing nothing wrong. How can you not talk yeah. about that, right? Like, what are, what are your thoughts? What are your reactions? Uh, my reactions were... You know, I think you had mentioned it before, so I was kind of expecting something when they were introducing this, like militia mob that was uh affiliated with the police i was expecting something to happen with that yeah um that being said 
uh, from Ben's perspective, if you hear this commotion outside, you hear all these gunshots, you're like, oh, people are here, and sirens, etc. Yeah. He slowly meanders to the window with his gun raised. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, no, just say, hey, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm not one of them. I was expecting him, well, because of, you know, how you had presented it, I knew he was probably going to die at the hands of these people, but I was expecting him in his wisdom but maybe he didn't get a lot of sleep that night sure <laughs> to i was expecting him to like run up and say like hey i'm not one of them help me save me uh it's just me etc just like yelling and communicating that he is in fact a mm. living insane person um but yeah it's it it it's tough man because it's just such a cold cold-hearted thing and you're these guys are kind of justified in doing so because you're dealing with a zombie apocalypse of course uh but there's just no check to it Mm -hmm. and you just kind of realize like uh this is it switches you from the story of the characters we've been watching to the state of humanity yeah and you can draw the conclusions or the um draw the comparisons to you know uh the state of humanity at the time and i feel like that's that's a very powerful statement like you're saying yeah you know it left me with a really somber feeling for something that was otherwise like a really fun watch like even when uh when mr cooper hesitates to save ben and then eventually saves him and then mm-hmm. he gets he's saved and then ben just starts beating his ass i was like yes <laughs> you shouldn't have hesitated <laughs> beat the fuck out of this guy you know like even in like serious moments like that i was having a lot of fun and then this ending really just pulled the rug out from under me left me with a punch to the gut and you know had me really really suddenly connected to uh just the racial situation in america vanessa even uh Vanessa even commented on like the the hopelessness of uh, he could survive a zombie outbreak, but he couldn't survive America's race issues. You know, like that's kind of like mm-hmm. the commentary she took away from it. And I was like, damn, shit, they fucking left hooked me at the end there, right? Like, they, <laughs> yeah. I it, I thought it was really poignant, and I really like the ending a lot, man. It's it's yeah. really really good, and I I like it because I hated it because I loved that protagonist so much. Like, I yeah, loved exactly. Ben so much that I was just devastated when they shot him. I am every time I watch it. I've seen it multiple times, and I know exactly what's happening, and it still is just, like, such a gut punch, man. I just, I, mm-hmm. I fall in love with him every time I watch it, because he's such a, like, heroic, noble, and relatable emphasis on the relatable, right? Like, that's what that's what makes heroic and, uh, heroic and uh, noble cool, is that you can relate to them, right? Um, yeah, Hercules is heroic, but I don't really relate to him except the Disney version who has dad issues. So, <laughs> yeah, man, love that ending. Love it like crazy. I think uh, I think there's a lot to unpack that it's really not my place to unpack, but it, it hit home with me for sure. Yeah, I really like movies like this. Um, another good one is uh, It Comes at Night. Mm. Um, I haven't seen it, you... so don't spoil it. Were you about to spoil it? Oops. Well, 
You Never mind son on that of point. A bitch. Never mind on that point. <laughs> I thought it was a porno. Uh, sadly, no. Based on the title, it's a different spelling. Oh, it's not a porno about Pennywise the clown. They spelled it differently. <laughs> Shut up! You don't capitalize it. Um, Greg, you want to do gimmicks? Yeah, we got a new one. We got a we gimmick have a of new the week one every week. Oh, gimmick of the week! I'm excited for this one. Airhorn dot wave. Thank you. Uh, this week's gimmick of the week is your favorite graveyard snack. Mm. Who was your favorite character in the group or human person? To die at the hands of the zombies. Well, I did also want to say that you could interpret this as sexiest zombie. Someone who is a graveyard snack. Boo. <laughs> no, you can't. No, my, my favorite graveyard snack in this uh, was uh, whichever zombie went full Leo DiCaprio in The Revenant and apparently like ate a liver out there or something. Like there's a, there's a part where they dismember some people. Um, and you just see a zo zombies eating like livers and gizzards out there. So that that was my favorite one. What was yours, Greg? Um, I'm gonna have to go with this is a clue reference. Karen in the basement mm. with a spade. Oh, that was so little girl in the cellar good. finally turns and just ah, uh, it's so great. That's it set up so a trope. That nobody likes in zombie movies where, <laughs> well, she's bit. Oh, she's getting sick. That's weird. It comes into play in the other two movies, too. Uh, this one really set the stage and did it very well. Um, like we said, the zombies are a little more resourceful. They're a little, they're, they're thinking things through and planning things out and using weapons. And it <laughs> doesn't change for the little girl that eventually turns in the cellar. Yep, that was that was a badass scene. All I got to say, super mm -hmm. badass. Um, what is your favorite line? Well, we talked about the ending already. Uh, mine is, it's one that really hammers home the tone at the end of the movie, the way you're meant to be feeling. Uh, it's that sheriff going, okay, he's dead. Let's go and get him. That's another one for the fire. Yeah. It's just Ooh. like... You feel like that whole that whole story, what we just watched, was completely in vain. Yep. And you know, we all we can take away from the movie is what was contained in the ninety minutes that we did get to spend the character spend with the characters yep. while they were alive. And that line abruptly cuts that off yep. and puts a bow on it. It and is, and I think it's the nonchalant delivery of it, like, really fits with. Uh, how we we're supposed to feel about it yep it is an amazing story that will never be told and that is really depressing right mm -hmm. mine is uh actually from the beginning from the opening scene it's something i actually say a lot because i love it so much they're coming to get you barbara <laughs> that whole monologue that he has is so good they're coming to get you barbara I kind of wish he was in the movie more. He was good. He was, uh, I think he was the producer. Um, he he bonked his head on a little stone. Let me check. Hold on. He was... It looked like he legit hit his head, though. He might have. There was less ethics yeah. then. <laughs> let me let me find him really quick. Uh, he, he had a bigger, like, 
he had a bigger role in production than uh than just that. I can't fucking find him on the on the IMDb. Um is that... the IMDb, what are you my parents? <laughs> Maybe. Um shit, man. I can't fucking find him. That's okay. Uh, uh, now I'm, while you lo- while you look for while you look for that, how about I give you my critical rating? Please do. Uh, I gave this one a thirty-one out of forty. Um, it wasn't as enjoyable as the other two movies we're gonna watch, but I do feel like I still got a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it set the stage for a lot of uh, worse movies and it really established a fun genre in a very cool and engaging way. Another one of those great for its time uh, kind of films. Uh, I could have just used a little bit more, I guess. Still still a great watch and very well made. Sure. By the way, his name is Russell Striner, and he was the producer, and he also uh, wrote the story for Return of the Living Dead. Not the screenplay, but the story. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. But um, I agree with your take. I think it fits. Um, I gave it a 47 out of 50. Yeah, that good. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, you know, as, I, uh, as, as I've said so many times, but always like to clarify in case there's a new listener, I judge movies a little different than Greg. I rate them on their place in their genre. Um, not on like just, I, I, I just can't compare genres of movies. It's just not the way my brain works. Um, it's apples and oranges to me. So, you know, if we're talking about, like, the zombie genre um, and the horror genre, you know, there is no zombie genre without this movie. It's not the first zombie movie ever made. Like, there's reanimated corpse shit. But, like, dude, this one is just so formative and so timeless that I've got to give it all-time credit, man. It's, uh, again, how many times have I seen it? So many that I don't even know. Probably five or six. And the ending still just oof you know like that's a powerful story when th- those two final scenes with the little the little girl killing her mom and with ben getting shot like shit man fuck mm-hmm. that gets me every time so 47 out of 50 um it's a pioneer it's fantastic it's good in its time and it's good in our time is is my take i'm crazy about it very cool love it yep been given a lot of high ratings lately we've been watching good movies well, we're in we're in Halloween. It's spooky season. This is your season. Of course, your ratings are going to be higher. Checks out, checks out. But I've also watched a lot of <laughs> horror movies, and most of my uh, most of my the bottom side of my critiker is like ninety percent shitty horror movies that I've watched because it's the only genre I love enough to just like keep going. <laughs> you know, just like yeah. watch so much shit in that genre. <laughs> uh, damn it. I spilled seams all over my edit. Oh, no, wait a second. This is a seamless edit. Oh, We're good. Whew. I was worried for a second. I was really worried. Yeah, you were. We're back, everybody. Boy, are we. God, why? Second movie of... Keep fucking doing that. <laughs> I can't stop. Boy, can't you. <laughs> four times that's been my rebuttal. Uh, We're here to talk about Return of the Living Dead, the second part of the Living Dead trilogy. Well, sort of, (laughs) depending on the trilogy. (laughs) Night of the Living Dead. Well, so I I, I broke this down last week, but I'll do it again. Um, 
I forget. There, there's several people involved in this movie who were involved in Night of the Living Dead, and I, I forget who the one that kind of had the the creative falling out with George A. Romero was. But basically, they compromised and they were like, "Okay, we'll go our separate ways." George Romero got to keep the time of day, and uh, the person who worked on this one with them got to keep of the living, and they both got to keep dead. So it actually branches into two different two different franchises <laughs> off the first movie, which is just so awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Like I, I wish I wish more. Um genre or uh franchises were like that just split but kept certain words of the titles yeah and just just... had nothing to do with each other but were kind of inspired by each other yeah star fights return these, of though. the jedi star... <laughs> you can keep jedi you can keep star I'm star but i can't say wars though that's mine i'm gonna go make intergalactic wars damn it <laughs> battle star wars Galactus, uh, <laughs> man, Greg, Return of the Living Dead, huh? Yep. Uh, this was my pick. Uh, what, what's what's your relationship with this movie before we do a synopsis? Never seen it, never heard of it. Cool. Then I saw it, and now I've heard of it. Cool. And apparently, there's four or five other sequels that probably shouldn't have been made. Yeah, I tapped out after two. Um, I I watched it and loved it, and was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna there's got to be more and god I, I just thought part two fucking sucked um it was horrible <laughs> so i i decided to uh cut my losses um so i watch horror movies year round usually um but i i really try to save like if there's a heavy hitter i haven't seen i try to save it for october because it's the time of year to do it this year uh that's kind of the babadook is my my heavy hitter i've never seen that vanessa and i are going to watch I already bought the dvd but uh, this was going to be one of those for me. But I got COVID right at the start of the shutdown in 2020 when we knew nothing about it. And I spent three days sleeping and too tired to even sit up straight and watch a movie. After that, I was like, fuck it. Who knows if there's even going to be a Halloween this year. Um, I'm just going to watch whatever I can to scrape the joy out of the situation. And return of the living dead was the first thing I went to pretty much. I think I watched uh, hardware, which I'd been saving for a special occasion too, but um, <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, man. I, uh, I was not disappointed. I was really excited. Um, do you want to do the synopsis or should I? Uh, it's your pick. I'll let you go for it. All right. So basically we've got a dude who uh, it is his first day as some sort of, medical supply company employee where they supply uh cadavers for various uh reasons uh his uh his supervisor or the guy who's training him is like you ever see the movie night of the living dead and goes into all this fantastic lore about uh it was based on true events but the filmmakers were sworn to secrecy and we've seen it yep <laughs> and then they go uh <laughs> they go fucking around uh with some supposedly lost government corpses uh that were reanimated and locked in coolers really gave me a season two of community's halloween episode vibes which brought me a lot of joy um i love <laughs> that, that connection that rules. I, i'm pretty sure it was an intentional reference i might be wrong but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was intentional anyway they accidentally uh through just like a madcap unfolding of events cause a zombie outbreak because they keep releasing all these uh, apparently zombie gases 
and there's a ragtag band of punks who like to fuck around in graveyards and uh they get caught up in all the insanity and they're basically just trying to contain this the whole time until we get uh what I would say is the only way to use a deus ex machina, which we'll get into in a little bit. <laughs> um, but man, I'm 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 crazy about this movie. Uh, I was I was sub quarantined the first time I watched it. Uh, I just basically sat in the room I'm sitting in now for like two weeks, uh, so we wouldn't give my wife COVID. Um, and so I watched it without her, and I, I was really looking forward to showing it to her because I knew she'd dig it. It's a really really fun very much uh evil dead vibes or evil dead 2 vibes really just a like uh, a very tongue-in-cheek zombie movie without being a full-on comedy you know yeah um damn that's exactly how i feel about it it's it's the horror comedy that doesn't lean too far in either direction but also doesn't like undercommit. yeah it it's 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 riding the line very very well and so i got legit laughs i got legit scares like yeah. for as cheesy and 80s as it is and as you know low budget as it is you still get oh man great moments it does a, it, it did a lot for me it was a ton of fun yeah i, I think it's very much like um telling the audience you're in on the joke you know like we're not we're not insulting you um mm -hmm. and we're gonna give you a fun time but uh you're you're a part of it you being self-aware and you kind of being horror fans is this is for you this is a special yeah. treat just for you and we're not gonna yeah. try to terrify you and we're, we're we're just gonna assume you're an intelligent and informed audience member who knows what's going on and you're you're part of what we're doing is essentially what yeah. you know, what the movie says to its audience i really like it for that it and they do it with the first frame, right? Where they say, this is a true story. These are real names and real people. This really happened. It's so awesome. Like, we talked about the intro to Frankenstein last week and how cool it was. And I was like, that title card gave it a run for its money. <laughs> awesome horror film openings. It was Absolutely. so great, man. It was so great. I was surprised to see it. Like... You can be self-aware and fun, or you could be, like, self-aware and obnoxious, like Deadpool can kind of be. Yeah. You can either go full Deadpool, or you just... The joke is between the movie and the audience, not the character in the audience. Yeah. And I think it's a little more fun when it's between the movie and the audience. I, I agree, and I think what really works about it for me is... I read it originally, you kind of read it as, like, the names have been changed, you're kind of filling in the blanks there... And you're like, mm -hmm. oh, you're taking yourself hyper seriously. And then once and then I actually read, read it, it <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, you're not taking yourself seriously at all. <laughs> it's so awesome. It's saying that, like, in the real world, the events happened exactly as they are portrayed here, which is so great, man. Listen up. This is a documentary. Uh... <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Uh, fresh out the gate, I think we need to acknowledge... Uh, we talked about it on our break, but uh, we've got some Friday the 13th veterans in this cast, Greg, and I was really happy to see them. Woo! We got them. Uh, you, you may not... If you only watch the movies that we have shown or spoken about on this podcast, you've only seen the character, not the actor, of Tommy in Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. He, Tommy was introduced in Part 5. 
but we're switching actors by part six to uh, who do we got in this movie that plays Tommy Tom, in Friday well, the 13th yeah, part six? Tom Matthews, um, who plays Tommy Jarvis in Friday the 13th part six. And something that really gives, like, he's got credit with me for this. There's a really cool uh, Never Hike series going on right now. It's a fan series, Never Hike Alone, Never Hike in the Snow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Friday the 13th fan film series that's not for profit. And uh, he came back to do work with them for that. So he's just, he's aces in my book, man. He's really, really cool. Um, and then we've... You just got you just got vibes that he's such a cool guy. He seems like Watching a really, really cool <laughs> yeah. dude. Um, also, fun fact, in, in the second one, something that gave me hope, um, they reused him and, uh, and the dude who was his trainer. Um, they just play different characters, but they're the two main characters of the second movie, which made me like really want to root for it i honestly don't remember anything about it other than hating it honestly i had covid but um and then we've also got if you have watched the friday the 13th movies that we've covered we've got miguel a nunez jr aka demon from friday the 13th part five who gets killed while taking a shit aka the single best killable in the entire franchise iconic character um and he has a pretty big role in this movie as part of the punk mob and he's great man i i was just so happy to see him showing up yeah i'm sure if we rewind to our friday the 13th episode i believe he was your favorite kill Mm -hmm. in that episode how could he not be how could he wait i think i went with uh i think i went with the belt one the belt around the tree where they twist yeah that's right that's what it was believe it or not i actually re-listened to that uh that episode like a week ago that's why it's fresh in my <laughs> mind i i just wanted spooky vibes but i was getting a little tired of my halloween playlist and none of my horror podcasts were cranking out the content so i had to gotta put some ammo go back to ours <laughs> yeah. hey man i get it uh yeah we we did give him some special love in that episode though yeah he rocks he rocks oh man this movie rocks um, this movie rocks now this is a graveyard smash boy is it god fuck that's not my new gimmick i don't want to be the boy is it guy keep denying it boy do i um boy boy isn't it your new gimmick <laughs> yeah man um gosh even from the opening credits uh they it just hit him at the exact right time with that 80 cent um yeah oh man they like they bang the tank that has a <laughs> corpse in it and all this gas shoots out and we're just hit with the credits we're hit with the corpse in the canister melting and we're hit with this just overbearing synth music and we're rolling opening credits we've talked about opening rolling credits being impressive only in like one other movie Mm -hmm. and this is another one that was a ton of fun masterpiece of timing just like masterful how they chose to do that it was funny so games great. was the other uh opening credits yeah, one. they yeah. were strong um dude that whole sequence where like there's a headless zombie running around and everyone is just screaming is real so good <laughs> a real headless bull in a china shop it's, it's fantastic it worked in the movie <laughs> And then, like, the, the the punks arrive at Resurrection Cemetery, and you're like, oh, they're just asking for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, naming a cemetery that? Come on. 
You're begging for an event like this to happen. Uh, one of my one of my favorite. There's a lot of like little details, like just little visual jokes in this movie. Uh, when the gas gets released, the gas basically turns anything that's recently deceased alive or ever basically. deceased. We find out. Or yeah, basically, uh, <laughs> there is a uh, cork board that has a bunch of uh, butterflies pinned up. And the gas releases into the medical supply company, and all the little butterfly wings are like fluttering on the cork board, even though they're pinned onto it. It's it's super funny. I really like that detail for some reason. <laughs> nice little nice little uh, little little quirk to throw in. And then you got half dogs coming to life and barking, and even though they look insanely <laughs> fake, I hated hearing the whimper when they killed it again. Uh, Me too. That was hard, man. I, I never want to hear that. Poor half dogs. Uh, they, they, you know, they only have half a life, and then you just whack them with a stick till they whimper. It's horrible. It's a little crutch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, How, what do you think it was like to cast the role of punk girl who is naked for no reason the entire movie? Um, I had a note about that. Yeah. <laughs> They got one girl to agree to do nudity, and it seems inappropriate to say that they milked it, but they didn't let it go to waste. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's 80s horror exploitative nudity, and... I was gonna say the word that comes to mind was exploitative, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, she's just, she never puts her clothes back on. He's just a she... part Zool, part Ziggy Stardust running around naked the whole movie. <laughs> 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 she really gets david bowie hair after she converts to corpse hood so much like david bowie <laughs> <laughs> it was uh the whole time i was like will this be significant in the plot in some way that she was naked no she's just just naked the whole time for no real reason she's got like boobs hanging out when people are just talking <laughs> you know like there's no real reason for It'll, it ever uh... It'll be important to the marketing of the sequels, I'm sure. Probably. Um, Probably. A lot of lot of full frontal, a uh, lot of lot of badge for for an '80s cinematic release too. That was a uh, kind of jarring, honestly. Yeah, true. Um, damn, it's amazing what a can of Lysol can do. <laughs> Man. So, how funny was the cover story of I Need You to Cremate My Bag of Rabid Weasels? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that gets me every they, time. They had time to come up with something better, right? Well, they're... But a bunch of wiggling trash bags that you gotta throw into the incinerator. <laughs> It's kind of hard to explain away. Oh, and they, they clearly didn't even... Uh... <laughs> as soon as they were challenged, they had nothing. When they were like, well, you should call animal control. And he was like, I uh, I just can't do that. And you've got to trust me. <laughs> you have to. I re <laughs> like, that's all they had up their sleeve for their cover. I really like that people trying to lie their way out of something somebody's just like it's like this isn't it 
yeah it's this thing so can you help us out like (laughs) a lot of the lies really get broken down pretty quickly like that yeah oh man and then well they incinerate that bag of weasels and unfortunately Uh there was a rainstorm brewing and we had acid rain giving us one of the most awesome resurrection montages i have ever seen in my life it's so good everyone just arms coming out of the ground skeletons reanimating themselves it's so the music is hitting yeah it's all great it's party time (laughs) dude the score and soundtrack of this movie are so great i uh a lot of the songs in the movie i actually listen to like not on my halloween playlist they're on my like regular playlist and i really wish the 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 instrumental score of the movie was on spotify because it's just such cool 80s spooky synth wave man it's so awesome but yeah the tonight we'll make love till we die song that's a dope song Mm -hmm. love under will is in this movie it's just great great friend of the show will reno loves that song especially uh never mind (laughs) never mind (laughs) uh man practical effects in this movie they range they range from like there's some pretty poor ones and then there's some fantastic ones you can see uh, where the budget went (laughs) yeah exactly the the guy in the basement who basically he's the one in the tank mm-hmm. where this gas is stored yeah. uh i call him basement brains guy he's a because he's calling for brains the horror he's, the horror community has a more memorable and easier to use name if you'd like to know it please hit he's me. known as the tar man the tar he's man. an iconic character oh, he is oh dude that costume is it's it's the perfect mix of scary entertaining funny like it's and and like impressive yeah there's a dab of how the hell did they do that right like god damn this is cool it's amazing dude it's so good and then the voice the voice with it goes pretty great too i really i really enjoyed that oh yeah no i i could watch that scene on loop for like an hour man (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it's so good um what what were some practical effects you weren't as big of a fan of uh when they were the the original cadaver yeah right uh they were like sawing off his head and like we talked about in the original friday the 13th when the arrow goes through the neck of uh kevin bacon Mm -hmm. how you had to really look for it on a rewatch to tell that like that's a fake body and then his head is actually sticking through that portion of the bed wasn't the case for a couple of these kills where it's just like, oh, this is like kind of a person um, waxed into a wax like corpse yeah. that we're cutting cutting up or stabbing through or something like yeah. that. There's there's a there's a couple of super noticeable ones, but it kind of adds to the campy '80s fun of it. Yeah. So uh, I'm not like mad about it. I gave that one that one didn't look great, but I gave it a little bit more of a pass just because he was supposed to be frozen you know like yeah and they even showed like his uh they showed his frozen innards but he's also moving his limbs freely so it doesn't make any sense but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, i I gave that a little more of a pass because it was supposed to be like a rock solid frozen body essentially but i would agree it did not look great um that like uh that 
uh, torso and head only woman that they that they get. Dude, yeah. Dude, so I don't know how this happened in my memory. I remember her looking horrible and like breaking my immersion and being like, ah, that's so cheap. And then this time I watched it and I was like, I fucking, no, she rocks. She looks amazing. Where did I, where did I get this idea from? She's a really good effect. No, I agree. I think she looked great. I didn't get the same feeling. This is the only time I've seen it too. So like I saw what I thought it was a cheap effect. And then the effect with her, I thought was really impressive. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about that scene too, I haven't seen that in a horror, in a zombie movie where well at least not that i can think of where they interview oh like one of the zombies where they like get motivation out of yeah that's a good point i didn't think about that. we're dead we're dead we feel the pain of ourselves rotting the brains we eat dulls the pain i didn't even think about that we've never really had a i can't think of another example yeah there's like like we were saying with Night of the Living Dead, there's zombie movies where they will, you know, have plans and think things through and maybe use weapons and that kind of thing. But, like, motivation is almost never introduced mm-hmm. in zombie movies. Yeah. And this is one of the rare times that they do it. And I think they do. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Well, it added a little bit of, Honestly. A little bit of empathy. Um, another, another thing about that scene I wanted to acknowledge you see her laying flat on the table and you're like oh cool someone's puppeteering through a hole in the table and then they go out of their way to show you underneath the table and you can see the cast Mm -hmm. feet on the other side of it i thought that was a really nice you think you fucking figured it out losers you don't know how we did this fuck you (laughs) like it was they really went out of their way to let you get a real clear look of under that table which i thought was really cool really just Mm -hmm. Why not flex if you can flex? You know, <laughs> that was tight. Yeah. Impressive filmmaking mm-hmm. all around. Oh. Dude, speaking of zombies talking, how about them getting on the radio and ordering <laughs> up more people? <laughs> <laughs> so. That's so Send more paramedics. <laughs> yeah, that was a moment when. Uh, so Vanessa gets really upset about like logistics of movie and she was like is there anything Mm -hmm. these zombies can't do and I was like hey babe I think you're really missing the tone of this movie Um, (laughs) but then she she clarified and she was like no these like I'm just saying these zombies are OP you know like they can they're fast moving they're planful they can talk they you know like they can manipulate people they really Mm -hmm. like loaded these zombies with more powers than most zombies get Oh yeah, they're they're faster than some of the other movies we've watched. They're they're talking, mm-hmm. like they're pretty op. They're pretty legit, but send more. They're crafty. So funny. <laughs> send more cops. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep ordering up. Like it's like send another pizza. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, on the note of practical effects. Did it upset you when the zombies turned our beloved uh, Tommy Jarvis into Jared Leto's Joker? You see that bruising? That's the blood pooling. And you see that tattoo that says damaged on his forehead. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mailed my co-cast members condoms and poop because <laughs> of <Dead> the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so much like Suicide Squad Joker. It was like I couldn't stop seeing it the whole time. I would quote him, but I don't know any of the lines Me because neither. that was super dumb. Me neither. I, I do like that, though. The pale makeup was pretty good. Yeah. Um, back on our survivors, uh, is this your favorite on-screen Bert and Ernie? What? Other than Troy and Abed, but what, what's what's our Bert and Ernie? Their names are Bert and Ernie. No way! Holy shit! Yeah, you got you got Bert who's training uh, our oh my medical God. supply guy, and then Ernie, the guy who runs the uh, crematorium or the uh, funeral oh, home. I didn't even notice. We've got a new Bert and Ernie baby. That's awesome i did not notice that <laughs> and it i feel like that had to be intentional it must have been i i loved uh the guy playing ernie in this movie oh he was fantastic um he gave me like uh, a little bit of like peter Lorre mixed with uh don not vibes you know like he had mm-hmm. like <laughs> he had affable creepy person energy he was cool he was really uh, cool hell yeah oh man um you know, on notes, uh, I didn't really think the story necessitated running 90 minutes. Uh, you know, like that's, you kind of no. got that they were dragging it out a little bit, much like Night of the Living Dead. But it was fun. But also, we didn't actually care about any of the characters in it. You know, like they, there was never like, and it's probably good. You know, like it's probably good that uh, we didn't care about them. I love that they never did like a, heartwarming moment or anything like that like it was just like Mm -hmm. a pretty cynical consequence free type of movie um but you know it's hard to go 90 minutes on zombies are cool you need a little something to care about you know like i said when we talked about frankenstein last week normalize the 70 minute film yeah it's fine it's not too short baby i think this would have worked a little bit better as a long short film you know, like not as like a mm-hmm. twenty minute thing, but like fifty to seventy. But also, I never would have seen it if it was a short film because they don't get any traction. Trust me, I just made one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's that too. Um, I do want to say that Vanessa called the ending. Uh, I got to give it to her. But let's talk about uh, this. Is how you do a Deus Ex Machina. Am I right or am I right? You're right. You're right. <laughs> like, it feels so cheap and lazy when you just, like, have someone show up and save the protagonist. <laughs> but when you have someone save the world by just nuking everyone you cared about and eradicating the event from human history, <laughs> that was... That was... <laughs> and it just... It, again... It fit the very uh, playfully cynical tone of the whole movie to just be like, yeah, okay, yep, military. Okay, cool, yeah, we're on the phone. And we're blowing it up. Only 4,000 casualties. And they're, like, bragging about that <laughs> like it's a good thing. <laughs> Unfortunately, it exacerbates the issue. Mm. What does that mean? Mm. Uh, <laughs> Makes it worse. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was really cool. And... 
yeah, was it didn't have the long-term intended effects mm-hmm. that they were going mm-hmm. for. It did exacerbate the Boy, issue. Boy, did it! Uh, I did like the uh, the guy calling in the artillery strike, requiring uh, access codes, and he doesn't use like the military alphabet. <laughs> we Vanessa and I laughed at that <laughs> when he said "hot dog" instead of. Hot dog. <laughs> Because he says alpha, and you're like, all right, cool. Hot dog. <laughs> what? <laughs> he said a third thing I can't remember, but he lost me at hot yeah, dog. Yeah, that was really great. That was a really great little gag. Um, You got anything else you want to get into gimmicks? Um, Let me look through it real quick. Uh, No, I think we're ready to gimmick it up. Yeah, I, I think it's best, honestly, to, to just keep it short and sweet about this one, because... It's just a super fun movie, and there's, there's, why why belabor the points of this was really a fun time, you know? Like why, what else yeah. is there to really say? Exactly. Um, Greg, what is your favorite graveyard snack? Obviously, it's got to be suicide in the basement, getting eaten by Tar Man. Mm-hmm. Just the best practical effects, zombie. And one of the it's the first like graphic death yep. of the movie, so it's it's got everything. Yep, we are uh, we are on a we're on a streak, Greg, because that's mine too. Uh, this has been happening we, a lot lately. Uh, we can't go an episode without having the same pick for at least one of the gimmicks for one yep. of the movies. Sometimes two. I I did affectionately name the victim as Chain Man because it seemed like his whole personality was having hmm. chains, and he even like was a troubled soul who was like. You think I wear these for no reason? Which <laughs> was great. <laughs> yeah, man. No, we. I, I, again, I think it speaks to the awesomeness of it that we chose the same one. That we're in agreement on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's uh? What's your favorite line? Um. <clears throat> I had a runner-up, and it's um. Naked girl saying, "I like that." <laughs> And then nerdy guy with a suit chimes in with like, I like sex with death. Yeah. Do you like death with sex? <laughs> That's my runner up though. Uh, my favorite line, uh, I did this last episode. It's not actually a line that someone says, but there is a, it's like an optical test board in the office of the medical supply center. And <laughs> it says, uh, Bert is a slave driver. Bert is the boss that owns the, uh, the supply company. It says, Bert is a slave driver and a cheap son of a bitch who's... And I, I, can't, I can't read the rest of it. But it starts out like it's that. It's pretty brilliant. I thought that was really funny. Vanessa noticed it and I didn't. Um, but I, she, she informed me about it. I was like, wait, that says something. Yeah, that's so... It's the little touches, right? Yeah, exactly. Um... If if you don't get it, you're not missing out. But if you do see it, it's a little little icing on the cake for you. Yeah. Um, my my runner up is uh, also something no one said. It's the title card that says uh, just yes. everything is everything really happened for real. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't great, write down man. the direct quote. Um, my my favorite line is uh, not for the line itself, but for the delivery, and it's more brains. Um, I don't have as good of a tar man as Greg does, but uh, Greg, can you give us some more brains? More brains. Just the like, 
the way that thing moves, the way it talks, the way that is shot, um, that was just a moment where I was like, I am watching something really fucking cool right now. <laughs> like this is this is it, something it's, special. It's weird that he can say brains without any lips, but <laughs> terrific delivery. I love his voice. I, will, I love that costume. If that's your critique, oh. that is what I, I will say the same thing to you as I said to Vanessa. I think you're missing the tone of this movie. Yep. <laughs> consider <laughs> consider this nit picked. Greg, what is uh what's your critic or score, my man? Critic or score. I gave this one a thirty out of forty. Nice. Uh, one point less than Night of the Living Dead. I think I had more fun. I definitely had a lot more fun watching this compared to Night of the Living mm -hmm. Dead. I think I got more out of Night of the Living Dead, sure. but I I just had a ton of fun watching this no, one. This is a blast. It, word association, Return of the Living Dead, fun. Right, like that's that's so mm -hmm. obvious. Um, yeah, I gave it a, a, a thirty nine out of fifty. Um, Damn. Okay. Yeah. I uh, you know again. For new listeners, I think if I give it a 40, I think it transcends the genre. And I don't know that I can really say that about this movie. But I do think it is about as damn good as it could possibly be um, while pandering to horror fans. That's that's my justification. I, I had such a great time watching this movie. I think it's really fun. I think it's really fantastic. Um, you know, all-timer in my heart. I think if you really wanted to like film critique it or something lame like that, you could probably find plenty. I don't give a shit. No one should. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you know, 30, 39, I, you know, I, I really only think that seems low because we've been reviewing a bunch of all timers, you know, like we, yeah. we've been reviewing a lot of stuff that's well over 45 for me. So like really, I mean it 39 is a really good rating for me. I think it's really, really great. Um, but just lately on the show, I've been really in the upper echelons of stuff I'm a fan of. And this is you know, still, I love it. I, I'm, a, I'm crazy about this movie. But I just, if you just don't give a shit about horror or don't like anything like this, I can't tell you, wait, I know, but watch this anyways, because you don't need to like horror to like it. You know, like, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's why it gets a 39 from me. Very solid. Yeah, dude. I love it. All right, Denny. New plan. New plan. We go to my mom's. Okay. We pick her up. I love your mom. We take care of Philip. We get in the car. Okay. We go pick up Liz. Okay. We all gather at the Winchester, lock ourselves in, have a pint, and wait for all of this to seamless edit. Oh, fuck. While that is organically funny, and I do love going to your mom's because she has a pool, um... And also your parents are there, and I think they are delightful. Aww. I don't know who Liz is, and I don't know what the Winchester is, so I've got to ask some questions <laughs> about this plan. <laughs> well, your questions will be answered in our next film, which is Shaun of the Dead. Boy, is it. God, fuck. That was you actually can't... not contrived. I keep doing it. We've been it. here 30 seconds. <laughs> and we talked for like half an hour in between takes, and... I don't think I did that once. What is it about my insecurity on the air that makes me on, just keep going to the boy does it well? <laughs> on air, Denny needs to find a new 
uh, catchphrase. How about uh, hoopty doo? That's my new catchphrase. No, 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 no. That's worse. No, hoopty doo is my new catchphrase. I'm just gonna start saying hoopty doo. If you think you can commit to that over boy do I that's so, or any iteration it's so of it, so in my subconscious. It, boy, is it? It is something I say a lot, but not this much. Something's up today, man. man. I need to go to therapy. You were there all day, buddy. Boy, was I. Um, Fuck! That was, that's not a joke. That's not a joke. What I just did, not an intentional joke. A genuine reaction. Something is wrong with today and me saying, boy, do I. This is why you don't record podcasts on Mondays, people. Oh, we Schedule would not allow for any other option, though, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, can we talk about Shaun of the Dead? Boy, can we. That was on purpose. Thank you. That was just uh, putting a bow on the bit. This is uh, this was my pixel. So I'll summarize the plot for Shaun of the Dead for us. Uh, Shaun of the Living Dead is about Shaun, mm -hmm. a young British man. He's not in his thirties yet. He's only 20, 29. Uh, he's got a bum of a roommate, lifelong friend. Uh, they are unfortunately thrust into a zombie apocalypse that is spread over uh the uk they are in it to survive after an unfortunate breakup with sean's girlfriend liz uh they decide to rescue liz and her friends and sean's mom and hightail it to the winchester trying to fight their way through zombies and fight for survival once they get to their favorite bar uh this is a funny movie. It's it's the first of the Coronado trilogy, uh, which is Simon Pegg and Nick Frost's uh, comedy trilogy that the movies don't have anything to do with each other, but uh, they're all three directed by Edgar Wright. Uh, very smart, clever, fun comedies that are all about just these two characters having <laughs> uh, <laughs> jokes that... <laughs> Jokes that carry through the rest of the film, the rest of the trilogy. And yeah, uh, take on a bunch of different topics, but this is the zombie iteration of the trilogy. Yeah. Denny, what, uh, have you, you've seen this movie before. I think you talked a little bit about how it's maybe not your favorite millennial zombie movie, but uh, what's your history with it? Um, I've seen it twice. This was my second watch a couple years ago. It was on me and Vanessa's annual movie list uh, because I hadn't seen it. And it's just such a, it, it's a crucial movie. It's a big deal. People talk about it a lot. And I was uh, someone who somehow missed that craze. Um, I will say I haven't seen the whole trilogy. I, I like Shaun of the Dead, but Hot Fuzz blew my mind. I was crazy about Hot Fuzz. I like this movie a lot. I think Hot Fuzz is better. And is the what's the third one? At World's End or the, At World's End? At World's End. I really want to see it. I haven't seen it yet. But these guys are um, always great when these three collaborate. Uh, you and I are in the same boat. I've seen this. I think this has been my sixth or seventh time seeing it. But I've seen Hot Fuzz many more times, and Hot Fuzz just we're gonna have to do. We're it's gonna have to be in an episode somewhere in the future. Like I love that movie; it's incredible, and yeah. I have not seen At World's End yet, unfortunately. I plan to watch it. I I, I love everything they do so far that I have seen, and uh, but yeah, 
hot hot fuzz is the shit we got we got to get to that it, i i honestly think um everyone is talking about Shaun of the dead but they should be talking about hot fuzz i i'm just gonna rip this band-aid off i think Shaun of the dead is very fun but really not that memorable but i am crazy about hot fuzz i'm i'm mm-hmm. really over the moon about that movie yeah um, I feel like both this movie and Hot Fuzz are parodies of an existing genre, yeah. and I think Hot Fuzz does it a lot better with the uh, police action genre mm-hmm. than the zombie genre in Shaun of the Dead. I feel like this... <laughs> I will give this movie a lot of credit, though. Um, no, it's a good movie. Don't don't hear me... Um, don't hear me shitting on it. I, I, I think there's room for nuance that... I do think this movie is a little bit overrated, but I also think it's really good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I laugh a lot of it. Yeah. I, I laugh at a lot of it. Uh, like I was saying, yeah, Hot Fuzz does better to satirize the genre that it's going for. This one also does a great job. I just think uh, maybe a little overrated. Um, there's some points where it kind of can slow down um for viewers uh including this time around i felt like Mm -hmm. but overall great uh great satire great self-referential humor Mm -hmm. great callback humor and it's the first in the trilogy that i mentioned so it's it's it sets up a lot of jokes for future movies that are carried through Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a ton of fun no it's it's a fun movie and that's what it is at the end of the day I think it tries to be a little bit more than a fun movie, and that's where it kind of falters. You know, like, I, I, mm-hmm. Re- Return of the Living Dead knew what it was. It never really tried to hit you with any sort of emotional content. And weirdly enough, I think the emotional content of this movie really works, and some of the fun kind of didn't. Or uh, not even the fun. It's mm-hmm. when they when they try to hit home emotionally, it really worked for me. There was just a lot of lol you know like there was a lot of like you're not parodying anything you're not hitting me out of left field with i actually care about these characters that you've built up which i do think they did a very good job of getting us invested there's just some there's some dry moments to me and maybe it's maybe it's just the british maybe it's just a different uh a a culturally different sense of humor i don't know I, i again I come across I come across as like a party pooper a lot of the time when I think something is overrated cuz I'll be kind of critical of it and I really don't mean to. You know, I'm like this is something that was hyped up to oblivion for me that really didn't live up to the hype cuz I I waited so long to see it. I saw it probably like 2 or 3 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I did think it was very good. I thought it was very enjoyable, but it didn't quite live up to the hype. Yeah. Over, overrated. Somebody saying overrated, usually you think of that as them dismissing it as a negative. Yeah. I, I, I think of overrated as like, like it's good, but it's not worth all of the hype and attention that it gets. Yeah. And I, I, I understand you completely. Um, and I'm kind of in the same boat with this movie where I certainly enjoyed it a lot, especially the first time I watched it. Yeah. Um, and then it, I think I watched it 
not right after it came out, but maybe a few years later when like my friends were starting to kind of get into it. Yeah. So I didn't really catch a lot of the hype as it was happening. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went and went into it with a kind of blank slate. And then I started noticing the hype around it, hearing the excitement for it. And I was just kind of like, it was fine. Yeah. I really enjoyed a lot of parts of it, but yeah, no, I... not the funny. It's no hot fuzz. No, Sorry. it's not hot fuzz is next level. Um, Shaun of the dead is, is a smart movie and a good movie. And again, if it were bad, I would say it was bad. I wouldn't say it's overrated. You know what I'm mm. saying? Like, and, and that's when, when someone really likes something, if you criticize it at all, they, they tend to be like, well, you hated it. I'm sorry. It was such a garbage movie. You pretentious fuck. And I'm like, that's not what I'm saying. You're ascribing that to me. And that's not the point I'm making. Mm -hmm. I think Shaun of the Dead is very, very good. I really enjoy the movie. I like it. I'm a fan of it. I think millennial millennials have overhyped it. Is all I'm saying. I think I think it would. I think I would like it more without the hype. Um, I think if it was just some like hidden gem I'd never heard of and discovered one day, I'd be like, "Hey, shit, this is better than expected." But millennials mm -hmm. are just like slobbing its knob, and it's really not that warranted i guess maybe in 2004 if you were a media savvy person when this came out there wasn't that much meta self-aware stuff yet so i get why this was like you wanted to drink it in deep but we've had a lot of a lot of a lot of meta stuff come out since then and i i, I think we have a whole episode about it yeah we do um <laughs> You know, and it was very much like I, I showed Vanessa um, Arrested Development for the first time in like 2015. And she didn't see what was so mind-blowing about it. And it was because, well, at that point we'd already had Rick and Morty and Community and, you know, just like tons of self-aware sitcoms it had come into existence at that point. Mm -hmm. But if you were watching Arrested Development in 2003, that was kind of mind-blowing. You know, like, and, and I fully understand that. There's a difference between worshiping something because it's different and worshiping something because it's timeless. Is all That's all I'm saying. And Shaun of the Dead was ahead of the curve. Like, I, I want to give it full credit. Ahead of the curve and a smart movie and, and a, a well-done movie. I just, in an era where we assume everybody uses the internet, I don't think it holds up as well as uh or and that's not even true i think it holds up fine and dandy i don't think it's as groundbreaking in an era where we assume everybody uses the internet as it was in 2004 when the internet was for nerds like me <laughs> yeah totally valid um yeah i think we've made our point about how we feel in general sure um dude just specifically this is a kind of sense of humor that i really enjoy um it's almost entirely callback jokes mm -hmm. and if it's not a callback joke the other jokes are still incredibly funny yeah like there is a difference between like hey they said that line before and because they said it that means it's funny yeah 
And then there's like, it was funny the first time and then presenting this joke in a completely different context makes it even funnier. And then on a rewatch, you're like, oh, I remember when they say that later, that makes it funnier in this context. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of moments like that. And I don't know, I just, I just really appreciate uh, just the, the script of it, you know, (laughs) just like the the way everything was thought out this was this felt like it was written out joke first so to speak you know yeah no. um it's it's pretty easy to come up with a zombie movie and then satirize it and just like point out the tropes yeah that's like a pretty typical satire formula this feels like it was written with jokes in mind sort of in a zombie context and then they put in a zombie story around it and then fleshed out those jokes kind of from there that's how it felt to me anyways well yeah i think it super fits also in uh the idea that this is essentially the judd apatow man-child formula but with zombies you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's like this uh if you are like a male in arrested adolescence, you kind of relate to Sean and you don't understand why everyone's like, grow up. And you're like, dude, fucking around with my friends rules. <laughs> and why would I ever care about anything? But I can drink and play video games here. Exactly. And then the character has to learn, you know, welcome to reality. Peter Pan was a myth. That's no way to live your life. <laughs> you know, like it, mm-hmm. it's something that, uh, as a male who spent some time in arrested adolescence was something I had to learn. And I think is an important lesson to learn. Um, but it's basically the same formula, but zombies are attacking, right? You know, like we have yeah. this and that's, that's a really cool take on the zombie formula. It's something that has never really been done before or since to my knowledge in the genre of we're going to essentially make this a late game coming of age movie, right? <laughs> like it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a cool twist. It's, it's a cool genre blend. Um, and I also related to Sean's girlfriend who, uh, has a very similar relationship to the Winchester that I have with my friends always wanting to go to East side. I do not understand why they love that one particular bar so much and want to spend their whole lives there. Friends listening, ju- what the fuck is that about? <laughs> we just went to, we just went there with John Wasson. That was Junior. different. I I don't know, man. Like I remember when it opened and it was fun. It's, but I've since I stopped living there, I've maybe went there four times. It's it's a pretty decent bar. I happen to be. I just like they have so many beers, man. I just I like so many beers. That's great. I just happen to be in a friend group who's obsessed with it and won't go anywhere else, and it gets it gets tedious. It just well, that's way. different. Yeah. Um, all that goes to say, um, I thought something I loved about this movie. They have a perfect excuse for why the protagonists make bad choices that moves the plot along, which is. Mm-hmm. Our heroes are oblivious idiots. <laughs> like they establish <laughs> that really early and it really works in the genre because they're affable and endearing idiots who we like, but also fully recognize that they're idiots. <laughs> you know, like they're, they're dumb. Mm-hmm. They make dumb choices. And so 
anytime they make a dumb choice that puts them further in peril, it actually fully tracks, unlike most zombie movies where you're like, oh, why would you do that? It was a really good device to use that you're like, of course they would make their life worse. Of course mm-hmm. they would make the dumb choice because we fully connected to the idea that these guys are dumb. They're dumb guys. They make dumb choices all the time. They fuck up on the regular. <laughs> that's like their that's their whole thing. They fuck up. And it just really worked for a zombie con- comedy, right? <laughs> and luckily we're in a very forgiving zombie film. Like we talked about you know the different kinds of zombies within zombie films and this was certainly a much more forgiving set of zombies yeah and i think uh maybe too much to a certain extent um uh we'll get more into that later when we talk about kind of the final few scenes but man it it provides a certain sort of comedy where you're like, you guys, you gotta just get it. Yeah. And it, it it's it's a lot of funny visual humor too, where like they're given so many clues and it's just absolutely not clicking. Yeah. And at a certain point you're you're not stressed out about them getting it or not. You're just like how else can they be oblivious and stupid? <laughs> like Yeah, and you know, it's something that really shouldn't work that I think actually totally does, which is the idea that in the first half of the movie, you're supposed to not take this threat seriously. And in the Mm -hmm. second half of the movie, you're supposed to take it really seriously. And for whatever reason, it really works. But in the first half of the movie, it's just pure comedy, even to the point of like, they've, internalized that zombies exist and they're eating the world and uh they just have this like awesome awesome fantastic use of slow moving zombies when they're throwing the records at them yeah (laughs) so funny man and it just selecting which ones are worth keeping and worth throwing that's such a funny scene they're they're on the money with that man um, and in the second half of the movie, I think it really works, surprisingly enough, that when we get trapped in the Winchester, the zombies are really scary. And they just completely shift that, and it really hinges on, I think, Bill Nighy's scene where he's dying and tells Sean that he loved him the whole time. And maybe we're getting ahead of our pace here. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that scene really served as a quality transition from comedy to drama. Um yeah, it, it really like gave you something real to sink your teeth into and to emotionally connect to and to relate to that upped the stakes of the movie right at the right moment. Like, I, I think that's something they did really well. I did want to ask you, because I think it's kind of a, it's kind of up for debate. What did you think about the comparisons of like, you know, drawing really obvious on the nose, uh, on the nose conversation about we're all living as zombies we're just a slave to our phones and the media we're already zombies what's the difference what were your thoughts on that i don't think it was as overbearing as you might you know as you kind of just said i feel like if 
it would be overbearing if the film took itself seriously trying to convey that point yeah. you know presenting it as a satire um you could just kind of take that point if you want to and if you want to leave it behind then that's fine yeah um but yeah like the the intro credits of the movie you got people just they're they're acting zombified you know they're just like doing their jobs head down eyes kind of glazed over and then spoilers for the end of the movie they have literal zombies doing those exact same jobs and it looks like they're doing them the exact same level of enthusiasm yeah so you you can look at that as a sort of commentary if you want to or you could just be like right yeah i i didn't hate it i did think it was a little on the nose um dawn of the dead kind of covered the territory pretty well um but the difference is dawn of the dead really criticizes the consumer of like oh look at these pieces of shit they just like to go to the mall like they always did you fucking consumers you sacks of garbage have you thought about what a zombie you are Mm-hmm. And this one criticizes, you know, the the slave driver a little more. It's like, hey, you could have all of this capitalist work done by a zombie. <laughs> like that like mm-hmm. essentially you're you're beating us into being zombies and why be a human and do this job? You know, like I I do think there is like a little bit of a uh, I'm a believer that you look at the world's problems and it's it's propaganda that blames the individual you have to look at the system that forces the individual into a limited range of choices if you want to have a real conversation that's my personal personal ethic personal bias personal conclusion and i think Shaun of the dead is a little more fair even if it is a little browbeating you know it's like do you blame me for shopping at Walmart if I'm poor and Walmart has the cheapest prices? Or do you blame a system that allows a monopoly to happen, that funnels me into going to Walmart, right? Like, there, there's a broader conversation to be had, and I think Shaun of the Dead is a little bit better at having it, believe it or not. I don't know what the uh, English equivalent of Walmart is. Um, Publix with an X. I was gonna say probably something like Wally Stops or something. <laughs> However the fuck they talk over there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's 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 one thing that I wanted to mention, or <laughs> one thing I wanted to avoid. I don't want to do fake British accent on accents on this show, and I'm already doing it. I'm really sorry. Good day, mate. It, I'm from London. Sh- Throw a few shrimps on the barbie. Sh- that that's perfect, but I want to avoid that. It's 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 intentional satire. No, it's perfect. Okay, excuse me. I was the only acceptable Gregory. fake British accent is Paul Rudd in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're from London. <laughs> terrific uh fake british accents are my least favorite personality trait because it's a personality trait if you're doing it it's because you're trying to do to be a thing i'm british i'm from london stop stop shut up excuse me shut up 
Where do we go from here, Denny? Well, I think there is an artistic signature, something that I actually thought was like uh, very unique about this movie, is the extreme close-ups on mundane activities that create a lot of tension. Edgar Wright does that a lot too, yeah. uh, in, in a lot of his films. It's it it's providing a lot of comedy a lot of the times too. Sure, go ahead. Well, no, it, it's just amazing that they can like show you someone washing their hands. Which is just normal if you're not gross. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a normal activity. But they can use it as a way to build tension. They can use it as a way to make things feel really urgent. All of these like boring, mundane things that usually a movie wouldn't spend any time on. They actually take these uh, completely cuttable scenes and make them an intense part of the emotional content of the movie. That The way they show them very briefly and very jarringly and juxtaposed together it creates a sense of urgency that's really on par with like anxiety that i'll feel a lot of the time where it feels like everything that you're doing is important and something could go wrong if you do these normal tasks wrong thoughts feelings yeah. reactions because you don't know if your roommate is in the shower and already a zombie exactly I feel like it's a it's a film technique that really got perfected with Hot Fuzz. Mm-hmm. Um, I swear we're gonna do an episode on it, so I don't want to like we'll, discuss we'll it do too it terribly much. Yeah, but but yeah, it it's it's kind of funny to be like to have two zo- quick zooms and like loud sound effects and like music beats for toilet handle and then the toilet flushing. Yeah, and. <laughs> It's it is funny, but again, also uh, stuff that would never show up in a movie because it would be considered a waste of time story wise. Yeah, and I like the like you're saying the juxtaposition of like those things happening, and then at the tail end of like five or six of those beats occurring, is a character just mm, nonchalantly having completed all those tasks or whatever, mm-hmm. and then just meander on through their day. Yeah. Like, it, it was intense for the audience, it was intensely filmed, and then, at the end, it's just a regular guy doing it in a regular manner. Yeah. No, that, that like, it was a celebration of the mundane, and also, like, the extraordinary things that can arise out of mundane situations, because they're meaningful to the individuals involved in them, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of what the movie is, it's a... Uh, regular guy that you would never make a movie about that did something extraordinary that warranted a movie happening that's right um i think we would be remiss if we did not acknowledge what was a trope of the 2000s and it is the white guy dropping the n-bomb for shock value that's my one big of the whole movie that is it was very common at the time and it was not okay yep he didn't the hard he didn't hit the hard r but i still didn't feel super comfortable (laughs) yeah it it's first of all offensive second of all lazy like because again it was all for shock value you know, like, it's, it's oh, just all, he said the thing. all white people aren't supposed to say that, and, you know... Certainly not a British people who are the whitest of white people. Yeah. White people Sorry, origins. England. 
the UK. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's something that always uh, really rubs me the wrong way when I watch this movie. It is just... And I remember being like a middle schooler and a high schooler in the 2000s and that trope was just everywhere. And it kind of creates a false perception that racism's over. It's okay to just say this. And it's really not. Because that's not reality. Yeah. Luckily it's just like a quick hit. Yeah. Um, not brought up again and it's just nobody reacts. Yeah. But yeah, it the the sentiment is still there and it's still misplaced. Yep, um, it hit me way harder on the first watch than the second watch. The second watch it did seem a lot quicker. The first Dude, watch I totally I was like, forgot about it. Why you forgot about it? Yeah, I totally forgot about it until this time. I was like, okay, Dude, forgot about that. <laughs> and it was also like, because like I'm also like. If you're going to use racial slurs in art, I do think there is, like, an artful way to do it. If you're, like, really trying to capture how people will be racist to tell a mm -hmm. story about how racism is not okay or to capture an aspect of reality. Like in uh, Pulp Fiction, is there a sign outside my house that says dead zombie storage? I was sweating through that whole quote. <laughs> but I was like, well, podcast is over, people. I got to have a serious conversation with Greg about what's okay to say. Um, but <laughs> um, no, thank you for that. Uh, no, but, but again, like, if you were making an artful film trying to capture some aspect of reality to have a conversation about it, that is an entirely different context than doing it for laughs because it's shocking, right? Like, yeah. it's not the same thing. And this was I, a line you could have said almost anything in and it would have been funny and you really didn't need to do that. Yeah, uh, it's it's something that comes up like four or five times. They use the same sort of comedic beat in Hot Fuzz. Mm -hmm. We'll just keep talking about that movie uh where where you know we're presented with the same sort of momentum of scene yeah right where like something dramatic has just happened we've gone through like a a sequence of violence and there's a character that inserts like a comedic reaction to it and in hot fuzz they always just say like you're off the fucking chain man <laughs> just like say something else completely different it doesn't have to be shock value it could just be, you know, uh, just like a f more fun acknowledgement of the thing that happening was like badass or funny. Sure. Absolutely. But yeah. You could have I, said I, I, like, what's up, dudes? And it still would have been a funny line. Right? Like, or like, you could have said, what took you so long, bitches? Right. Like, you could have said so many things. I'm just like, you didn't even need that to be funny. Yeah, like you didn't even need mm. to go there um and you had no like artistic merit for going there or that uh, to me it's 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 a pretty big black black eye on the movie yeah we've made our point though yep um it, it is quick I'll, I'll give it that it, it is brief and uh it's not lingered on yeah sure um <laughs> how did you feel about uh 
every which way but loose getting a shout out in this movie i didn't even notice it the first time i watched it because i had never heard of that movie before a friend of the show matt lancaster picked it for uh our our um want to see a monkey episode it (laughs) blew my mind when they acknowledged the movie by name in this movie i remembered his impression of an orangutan but i didn't remember that they referenced that movie specifically until i watched it this time i was (laughs) unpleasantly surprised that it was brought up again because i think we brought it up last episode again because we keep talking about that fucking movie dude that movie and then a movie literally says the title of the movie and we just we gotta talk about it again that movie is the worst movie we have watched for this podcast the worst no doubt about it in my mind that is the worst most miserable tedious shitty movie that we have watched for movies for when and i cannot believe they so referenced it in this movie far so far. so far i have a feeling we will watch worse and that might be privileged knowledge but I have a feeling that we may watch worse, but those mm-hmm. will at least be fun. That was not a fun movie to watch at all. <laughs> I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> Man. Um, well, shit, man. I, I, I did kind of want to get into the final three or four scenes as soon as they get to the winchester oh, they're so good so Dude, good uh, oh feel, you don't feel I the feel same like that's where the movie loses all of its steam Ooh, i'm not gonna lie this is an interesting conversation this is such a and i think a lot of this is how my brain kind of operates mm-hmm. too uh, there is a ton of and th- this is a dialogue-driven movie, through and through. Yeah. There are action sequences. There are um, dramatic, physical um, components to it. It's a zombie movie, right? Sure. Like, the physical drama of a zombie attack is enough to carry a scene. I think that once they are in the winchester i really enjoy the moments where the zombies are not breaking through the windows and that kind of thing once they're in there like hashing out their feelings um discussing plans having a lot of character moments i think that's all great okay once the zombies are kind of breaking in to the pub it seems to take a turn where we are leaning way too hard into the dialogue and my mind is focused on there is a zombie that is halfway leaning into the window in the background Mm -hmm. there are seven zombies you know trying to get through this door we've shot one of them in the head that isn't over we haven't triumphed at all those things are still getting through here and that's what's on my mind and then we're having a conversation about the status of everybody's relationship with the other characters and i'm just the the way i think about things is more of like 
let's accomplish task A before we get to task B. Fair. Um, I think there's a lot of... I don't want to say all of it is forced, necessarily. I just think it's incredibly misplaced uh, with the pacing of those last few scenes. There's a lot of suspense of disbelief of what the zombies are capable of. We know they're slow. We know they are... Unlike the other two movies, they're not planning anything or using weapons, that kind of thing. They're they're just reaching out for human flesh and trying to get to it at all cost. Uh, that being said, they still would have gotten through at some point. Like, there's a lot of moments where we're having a minute-long conversation while somebody is physically restraining zombies with, like, a coat rack. And it's just like that that should be over now like that's done like that mental timer in your head that tells you that should be over now yeah. has been going off for 30 seconds and they're still talking about stuff and in a dialogue driven movie where all of the humor and all of the drama is all dialogue driven it kind of feels a little out of place like you're ready to get the thing moving along you're not wrong and i'm not going to say you are but this is a rare moment where our brains work kind of differently in the sense that mm -hmm. i thought those bar scenes really rebounded the movie from kind of being like a uh, directionless man-child comedy to something that emotionally resonated with me mm -hmm. I, I look at the movie and i'm like it was never about the zombies that's not really what they set us up with in the exposition it was about sean's journey of how he related to ed of how he related to liz of how he related to his family and the zombies were kind of a uh what's the word i'm looking for incentive i guess an incentive for him to grow catalyst yeah catalyst yeah. there we go a catalyst Gotcha. for him to grow and the bar scenes are where that really all came together and i just i don't know this movie was very detached from reality fear threats stakes even um to the point that i didn't really care that they were kind of fucking it up in the bar <laughs> you know like and, and again mm -hmm. i'm not gonna tell you you're wrong and if that's the way it, it resonated with you, I honestly don't really have a good argument of why that was not appropriate or why that was a quote-unquote bad reaction. I'll, I'll, I'll fully validate that. I'm just saying my brain works differently. That that's, that's what we were told matters in this movie was the relationships. And I think we kind of got from, from the beginning scenes that this kind of exists outside of reality. To the point that, right. like, you know, you, you go back to the scene of them trying to throw things at the slow-moving zombies and missing. <laughs> Even the laundry basket. Right. Like, you know, we, <laughs> we go back to that and we're like, okay, so clearly those zombies move so slowly that they ran inside, got records, and came back out to throw them. It just kind of tells me you're not really supposed to ask those questions but I don't think you're I don't think you're wrong for asking them. I'm just saying 
that stuff didn't really bother me. And this is actually when it all came together for me from a relational perspective because that's what the movie told me was important. And I might even say it's a flaw of the movie that maybe they didn't take the zombies seriously enough. <laughs> you know, like I, I, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be willing to concede that, but I was actually getting kind of bored with it and I thought they dismounted pretty well and I thought there were some emotional moments in the finale that really hit home for me. Um, the the scene where they're listening to Don't Stop Me Now by Queen and beating the zombies <laughs> on beat is just like, that will never not make me happy. Um, the bar inferno scene fucking rules. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the relationship between uh, Sean and Ed really, really hit home with me, man. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of crazy about those closing moments, to be honest with you, despite me thinking the movie's a little overhyped. I, those, are, those are moments that really work for me. Yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from, too. And it's not to discount, like, everything that is conveyed in those conversations. I just I just can't help but get distracted by, like, the situation around them. Well, and again, if I were really in that situation, I'd be like, put a fucking pin in it. We'll work out our drama later. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. eh, but <laughs> to me, the tone of the movie was this is kind of, uh, relationally stylized what they told me was important what ended up is what ended up being important and that's what mm-hmm. I appreciate they were kind of like ignore this zombie outbreak and really focus on Sean's personal growth <laughs> you know like yeah. uh, uh, and so to me it was fair game even though yeah if this were really happening what the fuck is Sean's deal <laughs> right you know like uh, yeah. fair in every way just fucking work it out later you dipshit <laughs> like I, I i agree with you it's just it didn't work for you and it worked for me and that's perfectly fine yeah well i was completely on board for all the stuff that you said you were getting bored by so it, i think we're net averaging around the same yeah. level of uh, enjoyment and um you know yeah getting out of it what we wanted to i i agree and you know even even the most alike brains sometimes differ a little bit and that's what makes us human and not zombies and that's what rules we are completely different brains Vinny. <laughs> and yet we we just like the same lines sometimes <laughs> we, we, we're flotsam and jetsam brother we're we're complementary to each other and that's why we're such great friends you're the yin to my yang buddy you're the yang to my yin buddy I just said that. Uh, in, the, in a different order. You said yeah. something like it. Uh, Shut up. I thought it Shut was up. interesting. I thought it was interesting. I just I just watched more I Think You Should Leave last night, for what it's worth. Very nice. Um, or, I can't stop having wine. Are you scared about how much you need wine? And thing? popcorn um man before we before we kind of close it down i just wanted to say how happy the final scene made me uh it might have been saccharine but man the relationship between uh between sean and what what is the other character's name ed ed yeah man it made it brought me a lot of joy it was it was a very emotionally satisfying conclusion to the story 
Yeah, which is a crazy thing to say given the first two movies and like most zombie movies you see it's just like a dreadful conclusion where even if you do have survivors they're not left in a better situation Uh and while this isn't a better situation it still ends with a positive note which is of absolute rarity but it doesn't feel like a stretch you know well it was a like all things considered this is the best possible outcome um, and, you yeah, know, they exactly. even show, like, the, the capitalism of it all, of, like, being like, they're great workers, we can do things with these zombies. We and, can put them on a game show. And it's also, like, he liked Ed. Ed, no one liked Ed other than Sean, and Sean found the perfect role for him, tied up in chains playing video games, and from what you know about Ed, <laughs> that's kind of his heaven. <laughs> right? <This> guy... <laughs> like, he, he, everything worked out for the guy, um... Sean had his personal growth arc and got to find a way to keep his friend. It was, it was, it was, it was really good for me. Um, despite God, man, the deus ex machina of this shit. So let me, let me break down who was watching this with me. Um, Mm -hmm. it was me, Vanessa, friend of the show, Ariel Stewart, who is listening to our catalog right now. And BFF of the show, Abby Howe, who, by the way, I watched your next today just so I could listen to the most recent episode of We're Watching with Abby Howe and Alexia Samaras. Very excited to check it out. Um, And we were all like, I don't remember how they get out of this. You know, like we, I, I remember the final scene of, I was like, I remember Ed gets turned into a zombie. I don't remember how they got out of this insurmountable situation and then the deus ex machina shows up and we were all kind of like oh man mm-hmm. you lazy fucks yvonne brought him there like even in uh you know even in night of the living dead they had a twist on it and they also established it really well to the point that like it's like do you even call it a deus ex machina if they spent that much time telling you that like militias are trying to mow down the zombies one by one that's really just tracking with the plot of the movie they really did show up out of nowhere in Shaun of the dead and it came across as super lazy to me i was not a fan of that beat yeah um i feel like it's more of a swift conclusion type of beat more than anything it's it's a safe story beat and it's it's quick yeah like army shows up the end and i i think that's and you're good to go that's what really bothered me about it is the whole movie they're telling me don't care about this and then in those like closing moments of the bar scene they're kind of like do care about this this is something special this is something important and then they go right back to don't care about this and i was like oh fuck you you lazy writing <laughs> bastards come the fuck on I, I i just again i was gonna say i think they could have done better and then i realized i know they could have done better because i've seen hot fuzz <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like they absolutely could have done better and i thought that was a really lazy way out and it really kind of left a bad taste in my mouth despite the good taste in my mouth that the ultimate finale did leave dude 
all well and good points. I appreciate it. Uh, you ready to gimmick this bad boy I, up? I was going to ask you the same thing. Let's get into gimmicks and go to sleep. Denny, what's your favorite graveyard snack for Shaun of the Dead? Oh, man, my favorite graveyard snack? I had one. I might, we, if, if we have the same one, I won't be totally shocked, but go ahead. I'm going to save my honorable mention in case it's yours, because it was my it was my favorite graveyard snack for like three-fourths of the movie, and then I changed it. Um, but when the zombies ate C-Team Harry Potter's entrails... That was really fucking good. David, right? Yeah, that whatever the Daniel Radcliffe stunt double's name was. Um, so that's your favorite? That was my favorite. And uh, uh, Denny? Yes. We did it again. You son of a bitch. That was Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> that was a good you son of a bitch, though. That was good. It was the it's best one. Good. It was so fucking good. It's the most shockingly violent scene in the whole movie and it <laughs> looks so, fantastic like they it nailed it great it's so it's gruesome. disgusting <laughs> it's so fucking good. did uh did you have any honorable mentions for the sheer sake of variety uh no uh, i want to hear your runner-up though um my runner-up which i held on to for the whole movie was uh in the background at the beginning you see like two people kind of grossly making out in the background and then yep. the dude's head falls off <laughs> that that was i was that happened early and i was waiting for something better and just when i thought that was the best thing we'd see they hit me in the third act with uh with the entrail scene and that was just money man what is uh what's your favorite line uh well the problem with picking a favorite line is basically every line is said twice mm -hmm. through the movie <laughs> i'm gonna pick a line that was said twice through these movies and say denny what's the matter never taken a shortcut before i don't even remember what that's from i don't recall it it's from Sh shawn of the well, dead I, and hot I fuzz i fucking assume that much um, <laughs> what part of the movie did that happen in? I don't even remember. But they're trying to get to the Winchester, uh, and there's like, there's twenty garden fences between us and the Winchester. And Sean says, "What's the matter, David? Never taken a shortcut before?" And he tries to jump over the fences, and they fall down. I believe you, but it didn't stick with me. So, rock on. Um, when we when we watch Hot Fuzz together, you'll see. I love Hot Fuzz because they do it again in that movie so i'm gonna go with uh, my favorite line references our start of the movie that popped me huge sorry our start of the podcast but this popped me insanely huge and i did not notice it at all in my first in my first watch of this movie um when uh simon Pegg and nick frost are talking to nick frost's mom and uh she doesn't want them to come over or whatever. Um, Nick, Fr or sorry, they're talking to Simon Pegg's mom. Simon Pegg's yeah. mom, yeah. And Nick Frost goes, "We're coming to get you, Barbara." <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite line from *Night of the Living Dead*, and I did not notice it at all on my first watch through of this movie. Um, it seems like they named the character Barbara just so he could say that. "We're coming to get I you, Barbara," so. and I was just like. 
that is fucking cheeky. <laughs> that is that is my kind of cheeky. We're coming to get you, Barbara. And he just it's like right before a cut. It's so mm-hmm. fucking great. I was over the moon about it and have been happy about it ever since it happened. That's one of the best things too. Just quick final thought on it is just like they'll hit you with a joke and they'll immediately cut yeah. to the next scene before you had a second to think yeah. about it. And that shit was it's great. witty. That was some mm-hmm. rewatch ass humor because it also like you could know nothing about Night of the Living Dead and fucking miss it. When I first watched this, I'd seen Night of the Living Living Dead several times and I missed it. And on the second watch, I was like, oh, brilliant. I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was something that really popped me as like, you guys are brilliant. Um, Greg, what's your critic or score? Uh, I gave this one a 32 out of 40. I know I said it kind of lulled there in the final few scenes, but just so many of the jokes worked for me. Um, Yeah, it's just a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. Mm -hmm. And when it does, you still get a decent amount out of it. Um, Highly emotional, highly hilarious, great time, maybe a little overrated, but that's basically an 8 out of 10, uh, equivocally. So, do recommend. Rock on. I'm giving it a 38 out of 50. Um, okay. I like it a lot. I actually had it at a 39. And while we, rev- while we were uh, recording this, I thought Return of the Living Dead was a little bit better. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I dropped it one point. Not that that matters. It especially doesn't matter to anyone but me. Um, but I, I dropped it down just a little bit. But uh, again, not an insult. That's that's me saying it's a very good movie. I really don't think it's a, a genre bracket buster type of thing. But I, I do really like yeah. it. And I think it's very, very good. And, uh, you know, like, there's never going to be a time when someone's like, do you want to watch Shaun of the Dead? And I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> you know, like, I'd, I'd totally be down <laughs> to watch this with anyone who wanted to watch it because it is fun as hell. And if you were into it, I would be into it too. I'd probably not watch it again for fun for myself just because I feel like I've gotten what there is to get on two watches. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, man. Um, Greg. What is the best movie for when you're having a graveyard smash? Man, I'm going to have to... uh, I don't want to side with myself here. I'm not going to side with you. I'm going to side with the audience Mm. and say Night of the Living Dead. Mm. This is something you could put on for Halloween. This is something you could put on any time in October, any time of the year. You're going to have a good time watching a uh, classic zombie film night of the living dead well greg i am gonna side with you and i'm gonna side with the audience and say night of the living dead um there we go this is not only a great timeless movie but it is a really really big piece of cinema history and again like how many zombie movies should you really take seriously they're mm-hmm. mostly genre films that are pretty lowbrow. Not that I give a shit. I actually, 
I make a point not to distinguish between high and low art because I think it's pretentious and stupid. But as far as like zombie movies that had some sort of significant impact on culture, it's a short list, and Night of the Living Dead is number one. I I, I think go. I think the audience picked very correctly in this sense, and I over the moon about that movie. I th- I think if you could only watch one zombie movie for your entire life, I would pick Night of the Living Dead. I would go with there it. Go. I would go with the audience. Good job, audience. Hell um, yeah. If you want to see future movies and vote on future polls, please look up Movies for Win on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Movies for Win. Uh, we post these polls whenever we have the genre selected and we need your help picking movies and then we'll have polls later on uh, to help land on a favorite out of what uh, you guys suggest. Um, next week... Dun, 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 gonna, dun. We've done we've done some violent films here, but we? next week we're gonna kick it up a notch. Stop it, Denny. Uh, <laughs> next week, this is my idea. This is something I've had on here for a while. This is one my second idea for a uh, Spooktober. Uh, this next week will be movies for when you want to indulge your bloodlust. Very very fun movies uh it's just going to be violence 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 blood 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 guts etc my selection is the evil dead remake uh great use of great modern use of practical effects uh and of course a whole lot of blood uh did you have a selection for this one i do greg i do um believe it or not I, my selection, if I'm not mistaken, my current information, and I'm not going to fact check this. Someone else do it for me if you give a shit. Um, my selection held the record for most fake blood used in a movie until your selection broke it. Hell yeah! So, you chose the Evil Dead remake. I'm going to go with Peter Jackson's formative work. Oh, brain dead slash dead alive, depending on what country you watched it in. Brain dead yes. is the international title. Dead alive is the American release. This movie, my understanding is that it's kind of an IP hell. Um, every time I've watched it, I've had to watch it on YouTube. So I'm going to put this out for everyone, including Greg. <laughs> I think you might have to watch this on YouTube, <laughs> but it is. It is a movie I am crazy about. I love this At movie. At least it's free. And you just watch this movie and you're like, how did someone give this guy the money to make Lord of the Rings? And then you realize <laughs> it's because he's an insanely ambitious filmmaker who Lord of the Rings required someone like that. Um, I'm, I'm crazy about this movie. Uh, Greg, do we want to give the, the third movie to the audience or do you have something in mind? Um... I want to give it to the audience. I do want to take suggestions, though. So if you can think of a just the bloodiest movie that you can think of, preferably in the horror genre, um, we're not really into the torture movies. I don't I'm, need I'm to see Hostel. I don't give a shit. I, I want yeah. fun blood. 
fun blood, we're not really into the torture thing. I think Denny and Ari are in the same We learned our lesson from funny games, okay, people? You're not supposed to like that, and they're they're punishing you if you do. That's right. So, yeah, you can suggest it. We'll just not put it in the poll, though. But, yeah, we'll leave it to the audience. Uh, Guys, tell us your favorite super bloody horror movie. Greg, we are on the Pretty we are on the same wavelength once again because I don't have a third option. You know, like I was really like, let's let people yeah. make their suggestions and uh, then do a poll out of those suggestions. You know, last time we did that, we got to watch Clue, and that worked out really great for everybody. So let's do it again. Hell yeah, I'm down. I mean, they won. The audience has won this episode too, so it's all working out for us. Yep. Oh yeah, they did win this one. I trust our fans. I trust them. All right, Denny. Um, I'm looking at a headstone here, and it looks like it says, "Here lies the catchphrase." Can you resurrect that for Hold us? Hold on. Let me cast the sacred spell and blow the dust off the headstone. <sighs> for Greg, work. The leg work, Johnson. I'm Denny the Talent Taylor, and this has been Movies for Win. We've already told you when. <laughs> Happy Halloween, trick or treaters! <laughs> Oh, ho, 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 ho,